0: Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interest podcast series. I'm Stephen Schwartz, head of Asia-Pacific Sovereign Ratings at Fitch. Today I'm joined by Andrew Fennell, a senior director and lead analyst for China on our Asia-Pacific sovereigns team. China is a rare bright spot for the global economy at the moment as it shows signs of recovering after a brutal decline in production earlier this year when it sought to bring the coronavirus under control. Andrew, let's begin with those signs of recovery. What data are you watching and what does it tell us exactly?
1: Hi Steve, thanks for having me today. There's frankly still not a tremendous amount of high-frequency data to follow China's recovery in real time. That said, we are monitoring a handful of indicators. One major development was the March 2020 PMIs, bouncing back to over 50. This was well above market expectations and frankly, a big improvement from the record low of about 36 that was reported in February. We've also been following a few somewhat less orthodox indicators, including daily coal consumption, traffic congestion, and passenger volumes. For the most part, these are all showing promising signs of recovery since March, but are frankly still substantially below normal activity levels.
0: Now, the evolution of the virus, of course, is important for our assessment of the economic outlook. We're not health experts, but can we really be sure that the virus in China has been brought under control?
1: Well, official data suggests that new daily cases have been brought below 100 for over a month, and mortalities on a daily basis are now in the low single digits. The authorities have also been gradually loosening social distancing measures since late February, with perhaps the most symbolic being just a few days ago when the authorities lifted the lockdown on the city of Wuhan. At the same time, the government is clearly still concerned about new outbreaks, particularly from imported cases, because imported cases have been the source of the vast majority of new infections in recent weeks, and this has prompted the government to close its borders to non-citizens in late March, drastically reduced the amount of international flights to China, and also imposed strict quarantine measures for new arrivals.
0: Okay then, so as the domestic restrictions on movement and social distancing are gradually eased, what's our economic outlook at this stage?
1: So at this stage, it is pretty clear that China's economy is recovering gradually, but we do expect activity to remain weak through the first half of the year and for full-year growth to dip below 2%, which is frankly quite low compared to the outturn of 6.1% that they had last year. Even in the absence of new outbreaks of the virus, which is something we frankly can't rule out, export demand in developed markets is going to be weak for months because they're still dealing with the outbreak of the virus now, and financial pressures on enterprises and households are unlikely to go away while most firms continue to operate below their normal output levels. So, taking all these factors into consideration, I mean, they're certainly going to constrain economic activity quite significantly this year.
0: Right. Now, we've been monitoring the easing of policies in China, which have actually been quite restrained so far. How do you expect the policy outlook to evolve during the rest of the year?
1: Frankly, I agree completely that if you look at the economic policy response in China today, it looks frankly quite modest when you compare it to other major economies and what they've done to loosen economic policy. But I think one major point of differentiation in China is that the initial policy focus was all about public health measures. And now that they've sort of stabilized the public health situation, the focus is rapidly shifting towards economic revitalization. So what they've done so far is a pretty sizable monetary policy response. And on the fiscal side, they've only officially announced about 1.2 percent of GDP in fiscal measures. But just subsequently, at a Politburo meeting in late March, the government announced plans for a further round of macro support measures. And this involves raising the fiscal deficit, expanding the use of local government special bonds and something which they haven't done in over 10 years, issuing special treasury bonds.
0: Okay. Uh, well, perhaps we could wrap up then with some analysis about what all this means for our rating outlook as we look ahead.
1: So we believe that China has some room as at its existing rating level to accommodate a temporary period of higher fiscal deficits. And this is essentially boils down to the fact that our estimate of government debt at around 55% of GDP is broadly in line with the A median, which we currently rate China at A-plus with a stable outlook. But one thing that the rating probably can't accommodate at its current level would be a very large and prolonged fiscal stimulus, as that would start to erode China's existing fiscal buffers. At the same time, our assessment of China's fiscal rating space is also going to depend on the form of policy easing. So to what extent any measures that that are announced take place transparently, they happen on budget, or whether they're accompanied by a resurgent and off-budget quasi-fiscal spending, which is something that China has done in the past.
0: All right, then, Andrew. Thanks a lot for sharing those insights, and thanks to our audience for listening. For more information on our ratings and research on China and other countries, please visit us at FitchRatings.com. We hope you'll join us for the next edition of Fixed Interest.